you have your Bibles this morning and you would, turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Gospel of John, chapter 8. In John, the 8th chapter, we find Jesus going to the temple to instruct, to teach, to to deliver the Word of God to the people. The interesting thing that we find there is the religious leaders of that day are there not to learn, not to listen. They are there to try to see if they can trap Jesus and discredit who he is because he is disrupting their way of life as religious leaders. And so in the midst of the instruction, they bring a woman who they have caught in adultery, and they bring her before Jesus, and they ask him a question. They said, according to the law of Moses, this woman should be stoned to death for being caught in adultery. What do you say? And they asked the question and presented the scenario and and the situation in order to catch Jesus and discredit who he was and the claims that he is making. And Jesus, we know, when we look at Scripture, the Scripture says that he, uh, at that point, knelt down, began to draw on the dust and and, uh, and they pressed him about what he would say. And so then Jesus stood up and he said, listen. He said, anybody of you that doesn't have any sin, he said, you go ahead. Start the stoning. You, you lead the way. And he knelt down and began to, to ride in the dust again. In a moment he raised up and he looked at the woman and there were no accusers left. And he said... Hey, where are they? What happened? Did they not find fault in you? And then he said, neither do I. Go your way and sin no more. As we think about those events unfolding, Jesus then begins to have a discussion that leads us to a very important truth as believers. If you would, in John the 8th chapter, pick up with me uh, in the 31st verse. And Jesus, therefore, was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's offspring and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you shall become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. If Therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I want us to 
think about that for a few moments this morning and the idea of freedom. The principle of freedom and the teaching of freedom. Jesus makes one of the most inspirational claims in history. Consider for a moment the incredible hope expressed in the promise that Jesus can set people free. Unless you've lived a really, really, really sheltered life, you at some point have experienced the entrapment or slavery that Jesus is talking about. Through some act, through some sin, through some disobedience, through circumstances and situations in life, we find ourselves enslaved. Maybe it's an addiction that is an ungodly behavior. Maybe it's something that is a bit more acceptable in our society, such as fear or greed, worldliness, doubt, anger, bitterness, legalism, racism, insecurity, despair, or depression. All of these are things in our life at some moment in time that have enslaved us. They have called us and caught us and hold us within the bounds of those thoughts and ideas. And as they do, we understand or we begin to understand the experience that we are missing in life. The Scripture calls it abundant life. And because we are enslaved, because we are entrapped, because there's something that is holding us back or keeping us from what God intended for us, we are not experiencing the abundant and free life that Christ promises us. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, then you are really disciples of mine. And if you are disciples of mine, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, I want you to think about that. It's not a a change of your physical circumstances, although that may be necessary. It's not a change of the situation in which we find ourselves in life, although that might be helpful. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus says, truth will set you free. My word and abiding in my word reveals the truth, and it is truth that makes us free in life. So his freedom is not a political revolution. True freedom is not about changing our outward circumstances. This is a significant concept because it reveals that Jesus can free you wherever you are. In whatever circumstance or situation you find yourself, Jesus can free you. Paul was on the road to Damascus persecuting Christians. Jesus freed him. The prodigal son was in a pig pen. Jesus freed him. Peter was in a boat fishing. Jesus freed him. One woman was at the well drawing water. Another woman was found freedom when she was caught in adultery that we read in the passage this morning. 
There was a thief who was on a cross of execution when Jesus set his soul free. You see, the circumstances in which they found themselves in life did not dictate whether Jesus could free them or not. Jesus was able to set them free because it is a spiritual freedom that he is referring to. It is not dependent upon our physical circumstances, although there may need to be some changes in our life. And so Jesus says, if you will abide in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth can set you free. There's a purpose for the freedom. Jesus describes the freedom that he offers resulting from abiding in his truth. Freedom is not a lack of restraint that allows one to fulfill any selfish desire, but genuine freedom takes place in the arena or the stadium of the divine truth. As we abide in Christ, we are released from the chains of the world and released to be that all that God desired for us to be. But it comes by being involved with, committed to, faithful to His Word. I want you to think about real freedom. And that real freedom does have bounds, does have guidance and instruction. For instance, let's just take for a moment this morning the piano. And let's say that one of the small children were to walk over the piano this morning and they were just to start banging and, you know, just hammering and all kinds of noise and sounds and things coming out of the piano. Now, we might look at that and think, boy, man, they're just free to do whatever they want to do, right? Everywhere. But then when someone like Phyllis, who understands the connection of the notes and rhythm and notation and all of that begins to play, they play something that creates beautiful music, worshipful music. And so the question is, which one's really free? You see, the freedom comes in understanding and knowing and being able to apply the connection of the notes and the rhythm and the rhyme and the things that happen. The freedom is not in just doing whatever we want to do. And so when we think about the freedom that Christ offers today, He offers to us a freedom that can change our lives. He offers to us a freedom that allows us to be different than we've ever been before. To experience a joy that we've never experienced. To, 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 to experience a happiness that has never come in our life. Because we have been set free to enjoy life as a child of God. And oftentimes we'll go through the motions and, and we think that these things are the things that make us right with the Lord, but we haven't experienced true freedom. Haven't really experienced what it means to, to allow Him to release us in life. There are some perils of freedom in our text this morning, even though... Jesus clearly declared that freedom was possible. The sad reality is that there are very few who experience it. Very few who really follow the the teachings of Jesus to, to be free indeed in life. The first peril is ignorance. Ignorance is simply not knowing. And Jesus speaks to that in the text. He says, you, you say that you 
know my Father, but you don't know me. He says, if you knew me, you would know my Father. It's, it's an idea of knowing. And that's what ignorance is. Ignorance is a lack of knowing. It's not being dumb or unintelligent. It is a lack of knowing. I, ignorance is I don't know the truth. And he said, because you do not know the truth, you can't be free. But because it is in knowing the truth that freedom is experienced in our life. He, the scripture says that those who do not know Jesus are like people who are living in the darkness. You see, they just can't see clearly. Uh, they can't see what's ahead. They can't see what's, what's there because they're living in this, this clouded darkness that doesn't allow them to see. And he says, but if you know me, you would know the Father. If you know the Father, you would know me. But he said, you don't know us. And because you don't know us, you can't experience the freedom that I'm talking about. That's the peril of, of ignorance. The other peril is that of arrogance. Did you notice when the Pharisees tried to capture Jesus, that was an arrogance. It, it, it was arrogant to think that they could set a trap that would, would ensnare the Son of God. But then when Jesus dispelled their trap and, and, and He allowed the woman to go free and sin no more... Then they continued because Jesus then says, Hey, listen, I'm going to set you free. And they said, Well, what are you talking about, set us free? We are the children of Abraham. We've never been enslaved by anyone. What do you mean we need freedom? You see, that's arrogance. Arrogance to think because of their heritage. Arrogance to think because of their, their lineage that, that they were already free. Missing again and not understanding the freedom that Jesus had to offer. But in their arrogance, they thought, hey, listen, we, we don't need the freedom you're talking about. We've never been enslaved. And we look back over history in their arrogance and in their ignorance that we understand that they had been enslaved by the Assyrian Empire, by the Babylonian Empire, by the Persian Empire, and now the Roman Empire. But they were talking about a physical slavery. Jesus is talking about spiritual freedom, reluctance. You notice in the text that, that as we began to read there, it talked about those who had believed. There were some who had believed and began to embrace Jesus' teaching. There were others who believed, but they weren't ready to take that step. They were reluctant to really turned their lives over and followed the teachings of Jesus. And it prevented some of them to respond, from responding to the offer of freedom that Jesus was giving them. And so their reluctance caused them to hold back. Their reluctance caused them to hesitate and not willing to take the next step, placing their faith and trust in Him. And, and these people were caught in between. Believing but not willing to commit and be faithful. And then finally, there was complacency. Contained in the text is the exhortation to be free indeed, or complete freedom. And this exhortation seems to stand in contrast to those who would accept marginal freedom. A little bit of freedom was acceptable. Instead of trusting Christ for abundant freedom in life. And so attending the synagogue, offering some sacrifices, celebrating the traditional holy days and the festivals was okay for most people. This complacent. This is all right. It'll do. Jesus is offering them something far greater. 
Jesus was offering them a freedom that would far surpass anything that they had ever experienced in life. And yet they were complacent. They were okay. Just just marginal. Just, just a little bit. That's all we need. And yet he was offering them something greater in life. I am convinced that there is a process to freedom. As we look into the text today, Jesus identifies a, a process for experiencing true freedom with the words if and then. If and then, the process should not be confused with legalistic formula. There's not a, well, if you do this and this and this and this, you'll have freedom. But notice what he did say. If you abide in my word, abiding, abode is the original base word of that. That means the home, the place that we stay all the time. Let me ask you today, how many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to say, but I want you to think about it. We have a home. We go to our home every day. We sleep there at night. We eat there. We, we bathe there. We, we live life from our home. It's the home base. It's the place which everything else out of life springs from, right? So he says we need to abide in his word. Let me ask you to ask yourself the question, am I in God's word every single day? There are days that I get too busy, life is too hectic, my schedule's too rushed, that I don't pick up God's word and open the scriptures and read it and allow it to impact my life. Because if there are those kind of days in our life, and we're not in His Word every single day, we're not abiding. It's not our abode. It's not the place that we're living or we're staying or that everything else in life springs from, like our abode, like our home. And so there's where we really need to begin in understanding the process of freedom. The process of freedom comes from our being in the Word every single day. And not just reading a few verses and closing and going, great. Abiding. Living there. We live in our home. Do you know what? When you've had a hard day, when you've had a long day, when you've had a stressful day, when you've had all kinds of things that are going on in life, what is the one thing that we always say? Man, I can't wait to get home. I'm so exhausted. I just want to get home. Why? Because home is where I can be comfortable. Home is where I can rest. Home is where I can be revived and revitalized and gain a new energy to face the next task or challenge that is ahead of me. It's exactly what God's Word needs to be for our life. It's a place where we're comfortable. It's a place where we can relax. It's a place where we can find strength and be revitalized and be re-energized in order to face the next challenge or task that is ahead of us. God's Word needs to be very familiar to us. It needs to be very comfortable for us. It needs to be a place that, that when everything else is going on in the world around us, we say, I can't wait to get into God's Word. I need that strength. I need that that revitalization. I need that energy. I need that hope. I need that encouragement. I, I, I need that, that rest that comes from being in His Word and being His presence. If you abide in my Word, 
you are my disciple. And if you are my disciple, you will know the truth. And the truth is what makes us free. It's not about following rules. It's not about obeying this and that and the other thing. He said, it's just about knowing the truth. And the truth is simply this. He is who he says he is. And he will do what he says he will do. And if we will trust that, if we will believe in that, if we will hang our hope on that, and we will abide in his word constantly and consistently, he says, I will set you free like you've never been free before. You can enjoy an experience of freedom in your life like you have never experienced before. But he said it begins with a process. And the process is abiding in the Word. And the process is knowing the truth. And allowing the truth then to say to my heart and to my soul and to my mind, you are free. Freedom that allows us to live life the way that God intended us Freedom that allows us to follow His direction for our life. There are things we have to do in obedience and faithfulness. Let let me give you a quick example. So you are free, absolutely free, to look at the sunrise every single morning. Okay? Anybody ever been up early enough to see the sunrise and really enjoy it? Anybody? Nobody or nobody's ever been. Okay, all right, few, few. You're right, right. Okay, so so you get up early in the morning, and you face east, and you see the sun coming up, and there's something about that is just glorious and beautiful, right? You're free to enjoy that. But let me ask you a question: If you sleep till ten o'clock every day, and when you wake up, you only face west, are you ever going to see a sunrise? Never, right? Why? Because you didn't do the things necessary to see the sunrise. Free. You're free. You can see that sunrise anytime you want. But there are things that I have to do in order to see the sunrise. It's not legalistic. It's just that in order to experience the sunrise, I have to get up early and I have to face east. And if I don't do those two things, while I'm free to experience it, I'll never experience it if I don't do those two things. Same thing is true in His Word. If we want to experience the freedom that He's given us, He says, there are things that you have to do. It's not just, hey, foot loose and fancy free, you can do whatever you want. He says, look in My Word, abide in My Word, know the truth of My Word, and it's that truth that will give you freedom. It's that truth that will allow you to experience and and understand the freedom that I have to offer to you. But it comes with understanding there are things that I need to do in order to truly experience that freedom. It comes with my belief. It comes with my faith. It comes with my hope. It comes with my trust. It comes with exercising the truths of God's Word, putting them into practice in my life. And so if His Word says this or that, then that's what I need to do. Just like facing east early in the morning to see the sunrise. He says, there are things in my word that are simple truths, and if you will know those truths and and abide in those truths and live those truths, then he said, you will have a freedom like you've never had before. I want to encourage you that as we approach Thanksgiving 
It's coming very quickly. Just, just a few days away from us. As we approach Thanksgiving, there is something that we really need to be thankful for. We need to be thankful that despite all the things that are going on in the world around us, all of the things that we're experiencing and encountering as we go through life today, and there's a lot, he says, put all of that aside. In me, you can experience utter and total freedom to live an abundant life the way that I designed for you to live it. And we should be thankful for that. We should be thankful to say, God, thank you that in spite of everything in this world, you allow me, through your word and through your spirit, you allow me to be free. We're going to offer an invitation to him this morning.